This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Samson McCormick. Samson McCormick is an award-winning stand-up comedian, writer, filmmaker, visionary, hella black, hella queer, um, and I was excited to have him on the podcast after his people reached out to my people, and uh, we made that happen. Um, he's based in L.A., but talking with him is exactly um, one of the many reasons that I do the podcast. I both love talking to people that I already know, um, deepening our relationship, and talking to people who I haven't met yet and being introduced to their work and learning more about them. Samson has a new film out called Love the One You're With, which is streaming on Amazon Prime right now, so you can check that out. Uh, I checked it out. Um, it is a black gay love story. Um, and so, yes, I'm here to support all of my brothers and sisters and all of our communities. Um, that's kind of the whole point of intersectionality. Um, so he wrote and produced that one. Uh, he also has a really funny comedy special called Church Boy, which is filmed at the DC Comedy Loft. I'll have links to some of the trailers of those um, in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. Support. And yeah, so we talked about those projects. And then we talked about comedy and we talked about mental health, two of my favorite topics and some things that we all go through. So I hope you're doing well wherever you are right now at this moment, whenever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, I kind of went through a dip myself. Um, so I took a week off from the podcast. So now we're back. We're back at them. But, you know, like I, I meditate. I do the mantras, I do the daily writing, all of that stuff. But we still, you know, find ourselves down sometimes. Find ourselves blue. At least I do. But I think that's part of it too, you know? There's going to be rainy days, even though we prepare and hope for sunshine. Um, so this is Samson McCormick. Let's have a conversation. Can you? Oh, you're you're muted. Yeah, I can hear you. I uh, can't see you. Yet, okay, I, I ran downstairs for a second to get a uh, to get a snack. Some munchies kicked in. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, and you're in uh, you're in California, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, L.A. Gotcha. Yeah, my little brother's in L.A. Okay, how does he like it? Uh, I think he likes it. He's been there, dang, probably almost 10 years. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he likes it. Yeah. He, likes it. Um, he was, uh, he's been involved with uh, UCB for a while. Uh, um, with improv, right? They do improv. Exactly, exactly. But he actually moved down there. He thought he was going to do more stand-up at first when he moved down there. Okay. Um, but then fell in love with improv. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, I have been doing stand-up for 
20 years and it has worn me out. <laughs> I absolutely enjoy the craft, like, and I'm really good at it, but uh, the business of it and opportunities and it just, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Um, I admire the freedom of it though. Mm -hmm. As far mm -hmm. as you just need a microphone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe not even a microphone, you know what I mean? Like it's something you can do anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like versus like I have a band, um, I'm an actor also. And it's like for those things, <laughs> you're not, I mean, you're not just going to be busting out a monologue <laughs> everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, right. And like with music, it's like, yeah, I could sing some bars or something, but when I'm with my band, that's a whole, there's a whole sound versus mm -hmm. just singing a acapella is like not the, not the same thing. So I don't always like to do that. You know what I mean? But I'm sure it's also the same with people like, oh, you do stand up, tell me a joke. And it's like, sometimes I'm just chilling too, you know? Well, yeah, you know, it, it used to be tell me a joke, but now there's a lot more, um, oh, anybody can do that. Or um, it's either anybody can do that, I want to do that, or I do that, especially here in LA. You know, you can be at the at the grocery store and, um, you know, somebody will be ringing you up and they're like, oh, well, what are you doing? I'm on my way to work. What do you do? I do stand up. Oh, I'm going to do 15 minutes on my break. And I'm like, yeah so yeah it's a um I don't know it's lost some of it's lost something yeah. so many people do it yeah it used to be a thing like you only did it if you were crazy and good mm -hmm. now a lot of people do it for some people do it as a stepping stone some people I don't know people do it for different reasons so what brought you, like, why did you do it when you first started doing it? Oh, because I absolutely love the craft of comedy. It's, it's, that's the only reason I still do it. I mean, I'm obscenely good at stand-up comedy. And like to be a black gay man, and you know, I go to Arizona, I go to Colorado, I go to these places where people don't look like me are. And I stand on stage for 45 minutes to an hour and I'll get a standing ovation. And, you know, all these people like having a great time and I put out all this great work and then the business is like, eh. And then you see people who put no effort into it on Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. Or they or they put the maybe um, they focus on the marketing like they focus on the business and not necessarily on the, like without having the craft. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, I've always thought if people are going to come see you do anything, I don't care what you do. It needs to be phenomenal. Yeah. But I'm old school. You know, I, I came from that, that generation where that's how people like you could be great. And they didn't, they weren't just giving out Grammys and, opportunity like you had to be really good to get it and now it's like if you're really good people pay a, a, a lot less attention to you mm -hmm. whereas if you're more generic and and, and not talented yeah you, know, you can put on a yellow wig and and put a hanger around your neck and scream out your window 
with some air freshener in your hand and it's like two million views do you <laughs> now are you from LA or did you move you moved down there for stand-up right or where are you uh, from I'm from DC okay I'm from DC uh I moved to L um Oakland originally with my ex-partner about nine years ago and so we were in Oakland for about four or five years and then we broke up and so mm. I just came to LA yeah um do you did you spend any time in New York I worked in New York you know I would do like uh I, I was in uh an off-Broadway play there and I was doing a lot of comedy so I would stay there for periods of time but I never like lived there lived there mm -hmm. where did you do the play at uh at the here here art center and there was another one it was off broadway nice. so it was it was two theaters there mm -hmm. and so what do you come to first acting or comedy comedy 100 percent. like it's that if i could pick one something mm -hmm. that i had to do it would be it would be comedy 100 percent. yeah but you said it's wearing you out now yeah you know it's it's because i was when I was, you know, out every night, stuff like that, like I was, there were no black gay stand-up comedians. Mm -hmm. I was like one of the only ones and I was crushing it. Like, because the, the, uh, the club bookers, they're, they're a little sleazy too. The comedy club bookers, really sleazy. Some, it's some good ones. And it's like, if they're a good one, they maintain all, that relationship, right? If it's a good one. Yeah, well, the good ones, you know, you can't get in there because all the comedians know it's a good one, so everybody wants to work. There. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, if you meet a, a a club booker who like feeds you and doesn't take it out of your pay and pays you a, an equitable wage and you know puts you up in a in a hotel that doesn't have a, you know bed bugs and rats and crackheads running around in it, you know, it's like wow, because you know usually they put you in a condo but other comedians and and I mean you don't know what other comedians do to, to to prepare some people go on junkie binges you know before before a weekend and I'm like I mean I drink like I had a drink before I got on here to talk to you but um I do it to kind of relax some people get trash to do comedy yeah. And so if the way you prepare is different, that's not it. Like I have to be completely alone before I do a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm similar with like uh, music or particularly music. That's probably the similar thing I would say, like when it's my material, yes. just because it's like, it's me, you know, it's a reflection mm -hmm. of me out there. So yeah, I like to be in my own, my own zone. Um, yeah. Was there anybody, because I know, you, you know, you're kind of, I mean, we're all, whether we know it or not, so that's the interesting thing, I think, about the generic artist is everybody, whether we know it or not, just some of us might fit a more generic box, mm -hmm. but nobody's living anybody else's life, so we all are in our own way paving our own path. Mm -hmm. um, we just aren't taught that a lot of times we're taught to look at other people but at the same time I do understand it's different when nobody who's looked like us um is like us paves the way like forward so for you 
um was there anybody that you saw like who like just was there somebody that kind of inspired you to get into comedy and I know that you're then paving another path forward for other people but like yeah like just kind of what or who drew you into comedy uh growing up seeing it you know in in the black community we said we were everybody was poor nobody had anything so all we had was comedy you know when you sit on the front porch and you got to talk about each other's mamas for dinner because ain't nobody got no food you get good at it you know um and it was growing up looking at Arsenio Hall Mm -hmm. in living color you know Martin and Whoopi Goldberg and John Rivers for me yeah yeah um so I got the screener um was it your manager that reached out I, I don't know who it was your manager or somebody reached out and they sent me the screener um and I actually saw most of the movie um and I saw the excerpt uh it's from Church Boy a comedy special you did um and it was about black barbershops um mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give away the punchline but but yeah that was that was good um and that's uh part of the reason as soon as like you were introduced to me, I was like, yeah, let's, let's get you on here because to me and like the work I'm trying to do right now is very much all about the intersection. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this AD, ADOS conversation, ADOS, ADOS. Not really. I've heard of it though. So, and I can't even tell you the acronym right now. Um, are you on clubhouse? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the same. That's the same with me. Like, I'm sort of like, uh, I don't know. Like, I got enough things I'm trying to like do. Um, but you know, whatever, like that we can have a conversation across the country over zoom that people can have conversations wherever they do. Um, it's good, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting conversations and I was in one yesterday and it was about autos ADOS. And it's basically, it's like, there are a lot of divides within the black community, of course. Mm-hmm. And your film talks on it um, between like the gay and straight community, like within the black community. And that's kind of the same subject matter you're talking on in the black barbershops. Um, but basically, so ADOS is like about black, like African American black people versus African people, either like like the firstborns of immigrants or like people straight up like from Africa right now um, here in the country. And I don't know, but like somebody had a good point because they were like by the conversation and the debate that's happening in Clubhouse, it makes it sound like people are more at odds than they are. Because my experience, I'm not, I'm not beefing with Africans. I'm just sort of like Black people got to come together um, there's enough division. Um, but yeah, there are conversations that need to be had. And for me, as like a straight black man, like one of a important thing for me to just say is like, I'm here for like my gay black brothers and sisters too. Like, cause we being divided is going to pull all of us down in my opinion, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what inspired you that that was your third movie right uh which one um it's called love the one you're with uh that's my third written and produced scripted film yes Mm -hmm. and uh so when did you start making 
movies and stuff? Oh, now that's a good question. Um, I started making them when I was a teenager, but professionally I started doing them uh, in my 20s. Mm. You know, I because we did a screening last night, so I was telling them acting really isn't something like that I wake up like, oh yeah, I, I need to go find an audition and get some new hair. I do it because I want people to come to my comedy shows. Yeah. I just I just so happen to be a really good writer. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go write a script. <laughs> this reminds me actually, so I'm watching it. I have like about five minutes to go. Um, there's a part that I wanted to bring up. Uh, I don't know if you call this like, you know, when you watch a Marvel movie, they mm -hmm. got the like Easter eggs, like little things. Um, they got them in a bunch of movies, but in Marvel, they got them. And in some video games, there's like little things that you could miss. Mm -hmm. And your character um, owns and operates the cafe mm -hmm. in this movie. And there's a part, I think you're on the phone with somebody. And there's a cat that walks up and just takes the tip jar and runs out. <laughs> and like, yeah, no, and and like it doesn't even, yeah, it's just that was like one of my favorite little Easter egg moments in the movie. Um, but yeah, so how did the screening go last night? And was uh, that a went, Zoom screening or was that an in-person screening? It was it was a Zoom screening. Mm. I I I really hope that we can have an in-person screening soon. Nothing beats in person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking on that, like what does comedy look like in LA right now? Um, and in general, because I've I listen to some podcasts. Um, I've I'm a student of comedy. I've mm -hmm. stood up once, so I don't mm -hmm. call myself a stand-up comedian. Um, but what is happening right now? Um, are people touring? Are people doing things in clubs right now? Or like kind oh, of what's yeah. oh yeah, yeah. People people never stopped. I mean, even when even when it wasn't safe, people were still performing in like Texas and Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's some comedians can't afford to stop doing comedy. So yeah. you know, and then there are others who are doing Zoom shows. So I mean, it's it's been going on. Mm -hmm. And are you and so what about for you? I have done about four illegal shows, you know, where we weren't supposed to be meeting up to do comedy, but people were like, I need to get out the house. So it might have been in somebody's uh weed basement or something like that, or in a backyard and we you know you get a microphone put 15 people back there and we had a show mm -hmm. yeah um and what about zoom shows have you done those yes i had one tonight i've done a lot of them i don't like them yeah because you can't really hear laughter right yeah they they like they turn it on yeah they turn it on but you know people it takes a very efficient-minded person to be able to to watch a, a show or operate a show on Zoom. So some people come and they're looking at it, but they might have kids screaming in the background or, you know, a bunch of noise and that throws the show off. Yeah. Yeah. And then timing, right? Like it's all about timing and there's lags on Zoom. So not everybody's in the same time. I, I've, I haven't been affected by that part too much. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it depends on the way you do comedy. Well, but I just mean like sometimes even you could be having a conversation and then all of it, all of a sudden I could go on and say something. You could be like, sorry, I didn't catch like that, like <laughs> the last like five things you said, you know? Oh, then you play around with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you play around with it. The good thing about Zoom is if somebody's not laughing, you can go through the thing and you can be like, oh, I see Billy over there is laughing. And um, you need to clean your house. And then, you know, you can just go through there and, and mess with people. It's, you can make fun out of it. Yeah. So do you do that? Uh, sometimes, but thank, thankfully, knock on wood, mm. uh, I, I don't have to do that. People, people enjoy me when I show up. Yeah. And uh, so what are you kind of thinking is next for you? Like, what are you focused on? next are you planning on making another movie um are you kind of waiting to see what happens like as things open up yeah a little bit of everything uh i'm 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 kicking around some ideas um promoting this film but but the great thing about the pandemic is it's allowed me to be able to pull back and and breathe like i told you earlier i was exhausted because i've been doing this for 20 years and so you know, I wasn't dating, I wasn't going out, I wasn't partying, I wasn't doing anything but comedy. I had no life and I enjoyed it and I was great at it, but I was sad because I had no life. <laughs> so in doing that, I created a lot of work and that work has gotten more attention during this pandemic than it has in 20 years. Like work I put out 10 years ago, people are looking at it and it's getting thousands of views. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying that right now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I so overall, like what do you what's kind of your hot take on 2020 and everything? Oh I, oh, I thought 2020 was a great year because I was already crazy. So by the time we got around to 2020 and everybody was like, whoa, what just happened? I'm sitting over here smoking a cigarette, like this is a Tuesday for me. Where y'all been at? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So everybody's in the store fighting over toilet paper. I already got 40 rolls here <laughs> that I bought six months ago because I'm OCD, you know? So it was it was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was similar for me. I've even said that 2020 might've been the best year of my life, actually. Um, Is just because- Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and hopefully, and it's because of that, like that thing you said, stepping back, taking a second to look, like it's like uh, we always, no matter what you do, but definitely in show business, you're always kind of what, what's next, what's next, what's next, busy. And whatever it is, like whatever job you're doing, whatever it is, like it's like we only have so much time, you know, mm -hmm. like we don't know, maybe it's 20 year, more years, maybe it's 40 more years, who knows, but it, like, it could be tomorrow. And like, for me, like the pandemic, it was like, one day, the world was like this. And we kind of assumed what the next week was going to look like. And for everybody, for the first time in like recent history, anyway, the entire world saw that like tomorrow, everything can change. Mm -hmm. And so then like, yeah, like I still have similar ambitions to what I had before, 
but they're a lot more specific and a lot more connected to like, why? Like, why do I want to do this? Um, and then that changes how I want to do X, Y, and Z, you know? So speaking of that and speaking of attention um, for the work you've been putting in, where's the best place for people to follow you, connect with what you're doing um, and support whatever's going on? Uh, Instagram, on Instagram at Samson McCormick, just my name, S-A-M-P-S-O-N-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K. YouTube, I got a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Uh, uh, I got stuff other places, but those are the two the two best places and then samsoncomedy.com but mm-hmm. but samsoncomedy.com is for the old people <laughs> and can you find the links to all to like the other places on those spots so like on instagram can you link to your website and vice versa your website back i mean people can find it they got the internet they yeah. know how it works yeah oh yeah if you come to my instagram you can find the website and if you go to my website you can find everything mm-hmm. And speaking of, we touched on it briefly, but what do you think about Clubhouse? I've accepted that we're in the year 2021. That's what I'll say. I'm I'm old-fashioned, so I don't get it. Um, I think it's a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around a platform like that just completely open for anybody to get on there and give out information whether it's accurate or not mm-hmm. and, uh, and and people but I mean we're becoming more social and in a more digital world so it's 2021 yeah yeah I, I have a similar feeling to it uh which is I mean it's kind of what I feel about all social media and kind of what I was talking about earlier where it's like there is a way if you want to like if you just want to be famous (laughs) um if you just want to get the likes Mm -hmm. if you want to blow up on social media if you want to go viral you can do it there's like you could do it like there's like formulas you could do i mean you can't viral i think kind of happens by accident but you can do some ridiculous thing and for attention but like if you're trying to be the best comedian like that you can be and you spend all your time trying to like get attention on social media i just feel like there's a there's a balance there like i get it we want like our our work to get out there and people to see it you want to you know, be work. able to find it yeah yeah but i feel like there's a danger when people like just focus on getting attention and forget to like to do the craft, you know. On the craft, yeah. It's I made peace with that mm-hmm. um, because back in the day, you know, fifteen years ago when when YouTube first started, like if you were people only got on there if they had something to say. Mm-hmm. We were still in that in that structure of you only get in front of people if there's something worth looking at. And there's something like, because people had a a lot more dignity 15 years ago. You know, now it's like nothing for us. We got OnlyFans. And there's no judgment, but it's like, it's, I don't know. I'm just wrapping my head around the way the world works now. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, I I made peace with it. Like, you really have to um, 
you really have to focus on your craft and not care about the outcome. And you have yeah. to make peace with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how that's definitely my school of thought, you know. Um, but then the flip side of that is like what part of the process, I guess, is getting it out there. Um, because like for music, I'm sure it's changed, like I'm sure with comedy also, it's like with music in the 90s, if you like if you played a good show and you'd play shows and then maybe somebody would see you playing this show and then they'd sign you and then they do all the promotion um like all the investment in you and then they promote the hell out of that album and hopefully it was and a lot of them would sell um now in the music industry because the whole market has changed because there's so much like most music is free to stream online mm -hmm. it's kind of like the record companies want bands to like market themselves and have a certain amount of like popularity before they'll even like invest in them um so it's an interesting interesting balance there um i do believe if you if you get good enough at anything like if you get make it undeniable um mm -hmm then it'll pay off. But then, I don't know, it's a fine balance. So I'm trying to figure it out, you know? It's a fine balance. You know, one of the one of the positives that's come out of the internet as it is now is that, um, I mean, there's been a trade-off. So back in the day, if a record company signed you, I thought, I thought it was more fun because you had to take more time to, to write your music or work on whatever it was. So you know, you, you've got the money to enjoy life, mm -hmm. which is essentially what artists need to be able to do to create. Like, you don't need to be worried about how you're going to eat tomorrow. Yeah. You know, if, and hopefully you're not lazy either. Don't be lazy, but yeah. you know, it's, it's a balance being able to like enjoy life, observe, you know, go through whatever it is you need to go through to create and then put out a project. And they were able to do that back then, but you also saw a lot of people get horrible contracts. Yeah. A lot of people got screwed out of money because really, if you think about it, uh, the industry has always been full of con artists. So a positive is that say you're an artist and maybe you have a partner or a friend or somebody who's really good at business, y'all can team up and take over. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the way to go. And, and you want to be able to tell these record exec executives no, or these television shows no, or be, be able to go in there and tell them what it is that you want, because mm -hmm. you're taking your collateral in there as opposed to them dangling a dream in front of you. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So now all, and it's, you don't even need to be talented now, you know, um, if you can, if you just know how to do the dance and got some good strategic thinking around you, that's all you need. Yeah. Yep. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about today? Uh, let's see. We covered the movies. We covered the industry. We covered comedy. We, we covered it i'm pretty chill, oh you know man. what I, one thing i want to talk about real quick um it's just kind of a check-in 
Um, I think me and you both had a similar perspective on last year. Like, cause I think the big thing on last year was yes, there were things that people lost, and you know, my heart goes out to people, people actually lost family members and stuff like that. So I'm not diminishing that at all, but a lot of what people lost was like a, a, a certain way of life. It might've been jobs, um, you know, some real things, but on the other hand, a lot of things the way they were and are, aren't like are kind of broken anyway. They weren't, so, they weren't working. They yeah. Weren't working. Yeah. Um, and so like a big thing to me, and you talk about it in the film a little bit too, but it's about the mental health aspects mm-hmm. and about how that's like that mental health and that self-care, no matter what you're trying to do, are crucial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could have all the success in the world, but if that mental's messed up, like you might even still be successful, but like, but actually inside be going through turmoil, which like can lead to even bigger problems. So yeah, so how are you doing with it? And like, kind of what's your perspective on that? Oh, that's easy. Um, I think I was I was tying so much into career and then I was trying to tie things into relationships and I lost both of them. I mean, er- everything that I was trying to hold on to, whether it, before it was before it was a relationship, I mean, I was in a long-term relationship, but before that, it was it was housing. So I'm like, oh my God, what if what if I can't pay my bills and and this and that? And then I look up like two years later because I grew up, I was homeless as a child, so that was a big fear as an adult. Mm-hmm. And then I look up and I'm sleeping at LA Airport, you know, um, and I was comfortable too. I had I had me a little chair in there, you know, I had a nice little cushion in it. I, I felt it was real. It was right right under the little heater, you know. I was sleeping real good in that airport next to the vending machine. I was having a good time, and so I was. I actually sitting there, um, homeless was when I was like, "This isn't bad," and it's a horrible thing to say because I'm very I'm very ambitious, and I think you should be ambitious. But there's also a certain piece in losing fear of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a lot of people have fear of loss or fear of this and that. And so, you know, the homelessness. And then it was I was dating somebody that I really was crazy about. That person left me. I was devastated. <laughs> and then um, and then my career, I was like, well, why am I, I'm not getting this and that. And then now I can't go out and do comedy. And I am okay, you know, so there's a certain, that's one thing that I got is like, just learn how to be cool with everything. Like stop caring so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think a big thing with that also is, for me at least, it's like realizing a lot of times you're in a situation. I, and I told my friend this too, um, you'll be in a situation where things are all right, actually. like. You kind of have what you want. Of course, if you're ambitious, then you're always thinking of kind of the next thing. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm at a point in my life now where finally I realize that next thing isn't going to make me happy if I don't learn how to get happy and grateful for what I have right now. Mm -hmm. Like what will happen and what happens to a lot of people, they'll get to that next thing 
um, like whatever it is, like it could be winning an award. Uh, if you're an athlete, it could be winning something, winning that championship. And some people will get that thing and then immediately fall into the biggest depression of their life because their whole life, they've been thinking about this prize and that when they got it, <laughs> it would make them happy. It would make everything feel safe. And it's like, no, actually, you know, be grateful for what you have because everything could be taken away mm -hmm. and, and probably as long as you don't like give up on life, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like the, like, as long as you don't take yourself out of the equation, things can always get better mm -hmm. and things are actually always all right. Like as long as you're breathing. Um, but yeah, but realizing if you live in fear, you basically suffer twice because it's oh, like yeah. one, like you're afraid of like losing this person, this job, like not getting something that you want. If you sit there and like live in like fear of that, then you're kind of like experiencing the, the torture of that. And then either it doesn't happen, everything's fine, but you tortured yourself for no reason. Mm -hmm. Or if it does, you tortured yourself twice. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's it's comedy actually has been a uh a bit of a philosophical experience for me as well as an experiment in sociology you go through so many different things and you meet so many different people and it really it really guides if you're paying attention i've always paid attention it really guides the way that you move through life and your perspective on things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think the the best comedians and the folks who really understand the craft and what the craft teaches you, you learn, you learn a lot of grace. Like you learn to just be okay with stuff. And that's how you learn how to make it really funny. Mm -hmm. um, so if somebody wanted to be a comedian, mm -hmm. what like kind of advice would you give them? That, now, okay, now that depends <laughs> on what type of comedian you want to be. You know, if you just want to be a comedian, then just get online and start making videos. But if it's something that you want to make a living at, you know, that you would like to still be able to do 15 years from now, read the books, study the videos, learn the history, learn the craft, study, 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 study. Study it so much that it makes you sick and you have to take breaks from it. What's your favorite like book on book or video on comedy? Uh, black comedians on black comedy. It's mm. right there across the room for me now. It's a book this thick, mm -hmm. and it has the history of comedy from from Africa pre slavery up until uh, the like Dave Chappelle era. Bang. Um, and what do you think of Dave Chappelle? He's from the D.C. area too, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had a friend that went to that high school that he went to. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Are you a Dave Chappelle fan? Brilliant. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah. My my favorite comedian always was Richard Pryor. And I was always like, Dave, like just watching Dave Chappelle over the past 10 years. I was just like, I, I was like, he's catching, he's catching, like an argument could be made. And I think, I don't know. I think an argument could be made for Dave Chappelle now as like, as the GOAT, in my opinion. 
No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> now that I think that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Who do you put? Oh, it's it's always gonna be Richard Pryor because I mean that's the that's the blueprint. And now, if you're talking about contemporary comedy culture, hands down, Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I would also make a strong case for Cat Williams as well if yeah. he could get his his life together. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's people co- comedians go do go through different things. So you know, wherever Cat was, that might have been fueling his comedy at the moment. You know, mm-hmm. you have to really find out where you are in life and 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 learn how to pull from whatever you got going on. Dave Chappelle has mastered that, um, and it took Richard Pryor. I think a lot of fear finally pushed him to realize that he he was funny without the drugs and without the this or that but by that time he's in a wheelchair yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting because Richard Pryor um is has always been one of my favorites of I mean you know you know who he you know who he is uh another favorite of mine um not in the comedy world but it's for a similar reason is Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And it's like these people that transcended the thing that they were doing um, and then ultimately paid a huge cost for it too. You know what I mean? Like physically, like everything, both of them, like both of them professional costs like that they went through. So yeah, so for that, I would say when you're saying it's blasphemy to say Chappelle, the thing I guess I'd say about Chappelle is I do think he took the the baton from Richard Pryor and like moved it forward in another way. Like to the point of like Richard Pryor's show getting canceled after three episodes back in the day. And then Chappelle's first show starting with the black white supremacy and just like crazy stuff thinking <laughs> it was gonna get canceled. And then in the second year realizing the danger of it getting overly, like the danger of doing it just for the money mm-hmm. and walking away. And I never thought he was crazy when he I was like, that makes, like, I, I saw what it was. It's like, you're holding on to like the dignity of something. Like you're holding on to some kind of integrity, but yeah, but pay, paying a price for it. Um, and then now ultimately kind of, I think, beating the system in a way that we don't see we don't see artists do very often let alone a black artist where it's like the system's against you just as a a black man but like as an artist Mm -hmm. we're up against it all the time too so that's I guess it's not the argument it's not like about one or the other it's just sort of I see him pushing the like the boundaries forward and kind of breaking yes. the barriers more you know yes he he the thing about comedy that i really wish people would 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 understand is that you kind of have to be able to to push the envelope you know everything has got so politically correct everybody is you can't sneeze without somebody's feelings getting hurt and living in a in a social climate like that makes it really hard to, to do good comedy because in order to do good comedy you have to tell the truth and if everybody is offended by the truth then 
we're not going to have their comedy. So you need people there who every time he does a comedy special and people get upset because he said something about gay people and I'm a part of that community myself. I'm, I'm happy that they're upset because I mean, it's, he's telling the truth. It's the way people think. Everybody doesn't think like us. Everybody doesn't understand it. And so in order, I personally enjoy him being able to talk about those things because now that means as somebody who's on the other side of that, and I, I met Dave Chappelle a bunch of times. He's really cool. That means that on the other side of that, now I get to tell my side and other uh -huh. people who share my experience get to do the same thing. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, I believe in freedom of speech. Now, I also think there's a difference, like, from what, what he's doing, I don't think it's hate speech. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's controversial, it's not coming from, like, a place of hatred, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Versus there are people that, like, that I won't say that for. You know what I mean? And that's a different thing. But at the end of the day, it's like, right now, when people get mad about getting can't quote unquote canceled it's sort of like yeah like we all have freedom of speech but we also have to understand and I think that's the that's the thing a comedian is doing it's like yeah I have freedom of speech but also there are going to be consequences by what I say no matter what but like mm -hmm. yeah as you're saying the comedian is a lot more truthful a lot of times than your average person. And mm -hmm. the truth isn't always convenient or easy or simple for that matter, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I also think that's something that people fear, you know, because a lot of people don't have the emotional intelligence or the intellectual capacity to process, to process those truths. So they come to comedy shows looking to be offended. You know, they come to the shows and they sit up in there and they, you know, you, I like people, they come in there and they sit in the front row like this. And I, I really, my, I have a, a special place in my heart for those people. Those are the people that, you know, they come in, I pay you, I pay you $30, so you're going to make me laugh and that's cool. But then you have people who come in and they sit, they sit like that and they got a notepad up under their arm and they're, they're, <laughs> they're looking at you like this, like, okay, now what did that mean? Okay. Now he said bunny rabbits. Why couldn't why couldn't the bunny rabbits be pink? Are you sexist? You know, I'm mm -hmm. just like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh looking for anything anybody says, you could look like you could assume the worst or you could assume the best. And I'm not saying that you always said like sometimes there's a reason not to assume the like some people show kind of what's behind it and after a while like you have to believe it like you have to kind of I mean it's up to you you know to believe mm -hmm. but but yeah um what was I going to say about that oh yeah so question for you mm -hmm. like so within our community and this is like a conversation that I don't like having with white people sometimes because and this is like the whole intersectional conversation sometimes I mean you kind of said it in your thing which is like I'm black and I'm gay but I'm black first mm -hmm. and sometimes when we're talking about 
racism, homophobia, and stuff like that, um, it like when we're talking about racism specifically, it will be sometimes white people flipping it, well, black men are sexist or homophobic, which mm -hmm. I know that like there are real issues that we all have. Now, I also think some of the issues that we have as black people in America, like why we're so divided is because of slavery um, and mm -hmm. because of the legacy and the purposeful divide and conquer. Um, I know there's issues within our community, like homophobia and stuff like that. I feel, and I don't know if this is, like, I mean, I know that overall, like culturally, movies in the 80s and 90s, just period, were way more like homophobic. Like the F word was, especially in the 80s, was like thrown around. Um, and then that kind of started to change in the 90s. And then like kids now are having like, it's a way different thing than when we were growing up. Um, I just wonder, I feel like I'm seeing more healthy, like, like more black men like me, like straight black men who aren't homophobic and are more tolerant and inclusive. Have you, do you see things change? Like, do you see things getting better on that front at all? Or do you think like things haven't really changed? That's a complicated question. Yeah. And I'm trying not to give you a complicated answer, but I'm gonna go with yes. Yeah, I'm gonna go with yes. I'm gonna go with yes because we're having more of these conversations like we're having now and there's less discomfort. I don't have to explain as much because you already know. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for the things that you don't know, as opposed to making assumptions, you see a lot more straight black men not be afraid to ask why, or either explain why they think or feel a certain way about something. And that's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and have you ever thought about making a podcast or do you make the podcast round at all? I go do other people's podcasts because I don't, what, I admire anybody who can sit down and, and put their mind to a podcast and do it because I don't got the patience. You would get two episodes out of me and then you probably <laughs> wouldn't hear from me for eight months. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, staying consistent with it, even like the big podcasts sometimes take breaks some some are really solid and really uh consistent um that's mm -hmm. the key you know to anything but yeah you're right like it is just another thing like I was doing two a week for a while oh my goodness was I could be consistent for a while and then I'd have to take like breaks and yeah finally I was just like what stop killing your like it's too much um, so I finally have gone down to one a week. I could always do an extra one if I want, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's much more manageable. Mm -hmm. And and I think there are a lot of factors. I mean, if you, there's a certain momentum and I don't care whether you're a, a host on a radio show or a podcast, a web series, or, you know, you go out and perform, there's a certain, um, there's a certain 
momentum that you feel and that momentum kind of fuels you yeah you know you get into your rhythm when you get to your rhythm you can you can do it the way you need to where you aren't burned out you can enjoy it and the consistency naturally comes but say you're doing really great podcasts the really great work and you still struggle in some capacity navigating that struggle wears you out yeah yeah so that's a good kind of you know wrapping up question for you um with the pause that we're all in which i do like i think it's been a real gift like it's been an opportunity it's been an opportunity um to step back reflect you know the way you were running before it was like a little burnout i don't think we're ever going to go back to what we like i think things are going to be different going forward it's going to get it's going to be more like we knew before a little bit but i don't know like i don't know what masks are or like we might be wearing masks a lot more um, in general. Like, mm-hmm. as you saw in other countries that have had like smaller outbreaks, they like stay rocking masks. So it might be like that a little bit more. Um, I don't know the health procedures or screenings, like when shows are happening, when sports events are happening, like when movies are happening, like movie theaters, you know what I mean? I don't know what kind of what the rules are going to be, like how many people are going to, they're going to, you know, things are going to be different, but live theater will be happening again. Stand-up comedy will be happening again. Music will be happening. Those things will be happening in some, some capacity. And mm-hmm. we've all had the, the chance to step back and look at how things were and look at what we were doing that might've been like burning ourselves out. What do you think like you can kind of do differently going forward ideally to to not burn out or do things in a different way not care and enjoy myself i think we all need to do that you know um not really be tied to anything but just doing what it is that we do and do the best and then you know go home and eat some pizza or whatever you need to do to chill out smoke some weed go out you know just flow with it because I mean, as we see, there were so many things all of us were putting all of our energy into and and where is it now? So just, you know, do what you do and just live. Yep. Um, and do you have any final uh, parting words or thoughts you want to leave today? Uh, be positive and be good to yourself and laugh. You know, those are the, those are the things that I that I live by. Um, you'll never be upset that you did any of those things. I love it. All right. Well, thank you very much for sitting down. Um, I'll let you know when this is going to be up. Okay. uh, Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, It's nice to meet you. And uh, maybe, you know, we'll cross paths at some point. Let me know if you come to New York. I'll let you know if I'm out there visiting my brother in, in LA. Okay. Yeah. Let me know what part of New York are you in? Bushwick. Okay, yep. yeah, duh, duh, name of the, uh, <laughs> I was in New York uh, last October to shoot, we were shooting a film, and uh, before that I was at the Warsaw, I think it's called the Warsaw, mm-hmm. or something like that, I was there, so I come to New York pretty often. Yeah, well let me know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of comedy too, I'm a student, 
of it, but I didn't know that book. So I'm also going to check it out. Um, that's it gonna is, be... I, hold on, I'm going to show it to you. It's right here in front of me. Hold on, I'm going to get it. Yeah, I study comedy like I could teach a class on it. Like, I you mean, should... I know. Nice. So it's, it's this one. You see it has everybody oh, on yeah. there. Chris Dick, Rock, Rhonda yep. Page. Dick Gregory, Red Fox, Pryor. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a pretty thick book. It has everything. So I would start here. Um, I recommend different books to different people. I mean, there's. A, I think it's very important to know the more mainstream approach to comedy. But I think it's important for us to read about us so that we can see what it is that we go through in the business, you know, um, how the industry looks at us, what our stories are, our history. Because, I mean, that expression, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it, mm -hmm. is a real thing. And so, you know, most of these artists on here that you see, um, you know, enormously talented, but they died broke mm -hmm. because the industry absolutely demolished them. A lot of these, you know, Red Fox, yeah. you know, um, I don't know about Miles Mabley, but I know she didn't get a lot of the things she deserved. LaWanda Page, I mean, the industry and these people were brilliant. Yeah. And the industry chewed them up and spit them out. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about teaching a class? I do from time to time. Mm -hmm. I teach little workshops. Uh, I'm doing one for Oakland in, I think, May. Um, and it's, you know, we just talk about humor. Like, I mean, it's, when I tell you I can, like, write, like, I, I can look at anything and tell, it's, like, it's almost like writing music. Yeah. You know, but a lot of people think you have to sit down and write. You don't have to sit down and write it. There are a lot of people, like Michael Jackson could, he could yep. dictate it verbally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan too. And like, that's a big, big, even I didn't realize the extent of it until it was like the thriller 25 year um, anniversary one where they had the demos, like the Michael Jackson demos where he's singing the parts. Cause it's like, you hear, you know, Quincy like produced it. But what I didn't re like, what you don't realize is how much of the fully formed song, the, the beats, Mike wrote. Like, yeah. And he made those beats with his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think people really understand like how innate a lot of this stuff is. Like, a lot of the best artists did not write their stuff down. A lot of that stuff comes from right up here. And, um, yeah, it's. I just wish people knew that, really respected it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm with it. Um, yeah, well, it's been good connecting. Like I said, uh, yeah, keep in touch. Let me know when you're out here. Um, who knows, man? Maybe we'll collaborate on something at some point, you know? Yeah, definitely. Let's keep that in mind. Oh, and there's a documentary. When you get time, it's on, it's on Amazon Prime called Why We Laugh, uh, Black Comedians on Black Comedy. Um, it's kind of like this, 
Mm-hmm. It, it's not. I don't think there are any relations, but it's it's another. It's brilliant. I'm gonna have to add it to the list after I got about. Like I said, I got about five minutes of uh, of your joint left. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna add that one on there. Okay, so cool. definitely. Yeah, check it out. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, glad yes. we can talk um, even on opposite coasts. That's another thing. This whole thing brought together is like how connected we are um mm-hmm. and also how much we actually do need commit like need a community because mm-hmm. i was like you also before like kind of i appreciated my community and stuff so it wasn't that i didn't think i needed it but i also there's a part of me that's like solo and like likes creating like doing my own thing mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it's like I can't do it all by myself. Um, you need an audience. You need uh, other people that that to bounce ideas off of. Like it's just that's kind of what it's all about, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm I'm learning that because you know for again for years you know I was coming out with the material. I was booking the theaters. I was promoting the shows. And then my cousin who is on there, uh, Vanja, who emails. Mm. Uh, from my email, like you know, we we would get together, send out the press releases, and uh, just all that stuff for twenty years. And I had to show up and be funny, and yeah. and I'm definitely taking a different approach now. And I, I really now I've got to the point I really don't care anymore. I'm just like, okay, you know, I still do it and I care about the craft, but now I'm just like, whatever. Just, yeah, yeah. It's like it's not it's not life and death. Like it, it is that serious, but it's also like the whole point is to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing if we're like miserable, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's serious. We got to like really do, do the thing. Cause sometimes I have it with auditions. I don't know if you have this, like if sometimes I'm in love with like a certain role I'm auditioning for. And then it's like, I go all in and it's like, it's not about whether I get it. That's at a point where I'm at now, where it's like, I, I'll go all in and then it's like, and then I can let it go. Cause it's not, if it's somebody else's project, it's not up to me, but it's just mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, okay. I know how to like, I know how to tap into this role. I know how to do this. I'm going to do it all. But then there's other times, sometimes I'm guilty of like, in a setting that's like not, it's like not a high stakes audition. They all are, but where there are times when it's like, I know that I didn't do my best for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like, yeah, but it's like, you should do you always like shine, I guess, but like not kill yourself to shine. Cause that's like defeats the purpose. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the that's the Richard Pryor thing too, where it's like, yeah, you don't have to like fuck yourself up to do it. Doesn't mean you don't do good work, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of us can be hard on ourselves, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it really just comes down to I think doing the best you can and letting it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big one. Also, is like also I think a thing I remember sometimes is like in general actually like right now i am 
doing the best I can do. And some days it might not be as good as it, like, you know, some days I don't have, like, some days you just don't like, you know, you can be like under the weather or whatever. It's like, whatever it is, like some days there's just other things like coming at you. And so you're just dodging those things and you still have to do this other thing and you do your best. And so it might not be like your best without those things, but that's life. And it's like, don't beat yourself up when you did your best. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, mm -hmm. do your best under the circumstances, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That, I mean, that's all you can do and. And keep it pushing. And keep it pushing. That's it. And it's, that's what the pandemic taught me because I, I remember laying on my couch like oh man I can't do no shows and you know it's you just get to a point where it's like well you know I, I did my best and and that's what I had to make peace with because I mean we all thought we were going to die last March and uh you know so we had to make peace with death and everything else so I'm just like oh you know it's I remember looking out the window and I'm like, do I like my life? Am I proud of it? And I'm like, yeah, you know, you tried, you gave it some effort. You weren't sloppy. Mm -hmm. And so that has become my MO now. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, definitely made peace with death also. Like just sort of like, not like, not that I'm trying to go anytime soon, but just sort of like realizing, yeah, like, realizing for the first time in my life, like really facing it, being like, I'm not going to be able to avoid it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it is going to happen at some point. And so, yeah, so try to do my best to like do my best and enjoy it while I'm here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we got to do. Yep. Well, cool. Um, nice meeting you. Like I said, we'll keep in touch. Um, keep keep in touch with me and yeah we'll talk soon all right for sure and you know let me know if you come here and i'll let you know if i'm coming over there for sure for sure all right cool be safe you too you too all right peace peace so that was my conversation with samson mccormick check out the links in the show notes for his film love the one you're with um also you can see excerpts from from Choir Boy. Um, so please support, follow him on Instagram. As always, all those will be in the show notes. So check it out, support. I know that this is a one-sided conversation. This is not Clubhouse, so you can't talk directly back, but uh, how are you doing? How are you holding up? How's your mental health? Like I said, I just went through a pretty epic dip. Um, I'm feeling a lot better right now. I went to the dojo today. Got my Muay Thai in, got some sparring in. Um, I'm fully vaccinated, by the way. And also we wear masks in the regular regular class, temperature checks and all that. So we're taking all the safety precautions. Um, if you haven't got your vaccine shot yet, I hope you will soon because I would love to go on to the next phase and find whatever the new, new normal is, but also keep pushing and keep growing and making the next phase um, supernatural or, or extraordinary, not, not normal. I don't want normal. Um, but it's up to us to make it magical. Yeah. So I want the next, 
magical reality phase. I'm, I'm lacking on my words right now, but I want I want us to get to the next phase. Um, the lockdown. I've been super grateful for all of the reflection, for all the time I've had to kind of get clear on where I want to go next. Um, and I want to be the greatest storyteller, breaking generational curses through speaking, writing, acting, and music. So that's very clear. But I'd love to like to be involved with live theater again. I'd love to be on more sets again. Um, that said, I'm super excited for some things coming up. King's Blades coming up. Also meeting with the Six Shooter people tonight. Um... So things are happening. Things are moving. Um, there's just, you know, a lot of the stuff we're doing right now is still socially distanced for, for good measure. Um, and I, I just love the idea of being in a room, um, being on a stage, um, being in a theater and in, on the stage or in the audience and sharing an experience with a whole bunch of other people at the same time. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. So, yeah, take care of yourself, do your best and be kind to yourself when your best doesn't feel like your best all the time, if that makes sense. And I'll talk to you soon. I'll be back here next Monday. I love you. Take care. Be magical. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>